0: What does it take to live a life of adventure? The truth is, the first step is always the hardest. That's the one that takes the most courage. But I've learned not to run from that fear and just do it. My Christian faith can be a little up and down, like any relationship. It has struggles and it has doubts. But it's so often brought light to a dark path. Warmth to a cold mountain and strength to a failing body. I remember crawling onto the summit of Everest and clearing the snow from my mask to see the curvature of the earth at the edges. But finding a simple faith that empowers my life, to me, that's been my greatest adventure. Questions about life? Try Alpha.
1: So that's a little bit about Alpha. And on Wednesday, February 15th at 6.30, we'll be having an Alpha introductory dinner. So you can come and have a free dinner at that and just learn more about Alpha and then decide if you would like to take the course. And the course begins on February 22nd. There's also an Alpha kiosk in the back of the room for more information about Alpha. So you can check in your program or on the mobile app program for more information about what I just mentioned and everything that's going on around here in teens and kids and young adults and other events that are happening in the church. And so now I would like to welcome up Van, our senior pastor, to give the message today.
2: Thanks, Amanda. I never know if people are clapping for the person that left or the person that's coming up. But uh, hey, don't you love Bear Grylls? You know, that was Bear Grylls in the video. And he, um, he was British Special Forces in the military, and he broke his back, I think, jumping out of a helicopter. And part of his uh, recuperation and restoration was to climb Mount Everest. He climbed it when he was like 22 years old, something like that. But then he has the, he had the program it used to be on called Man vs. Wild. You can still watch it on Netflix and YouTube and places like that. But he came to know Jesus through Alpha. And so uh, we we're just really, uh, really love Alpha and love stories like that. Of people like Bear Grylls that had their lives changed by coming to this ministry. So I just want to say if you're here... And uh, you haven't taken Alpha, at least consider going through Alpha, because it is life-changing and uh, just powerful, and it represents the values in the heart of this church so, so well. So um, that's my pitch for Alpha today. And um, all right, one, one short joke. If you really get this one, I won't tell you anymore, okay? So there was a Baptist pastor who wanted to have, a, have his deacons meet after the service, And so he stood up and he said, I want to have a meeting of the board after the service and right up here by the organ and half the church showed up. Get it? B-O-A-R-D versus B-O-R-E-D. Okay. Okay. All right. That won't happen here. I know. You know, I do. here's, Here's what I want to start with today. Um, we had a sense as we were praying before the service that there are going to be people here today that come with relational burdens and either some pain from a relationship or uh, something from the past or maybe something going on right now and it's just a heart pain. Or there might even be some bitterness or anger or something attached to it. And we want to take a moment uh, just to minister to that, okay? So uh, let's just all close our eyes and I'm just going to welcome God's presence and say, Holy Spirit, we we welcome your presence here right now. We love your presence. It's more of your presence, Lord. More. For every person here, Father, that is struggling with a relational issue. Uh, just speak to them right now. Touch them right now. Let them sense you touching them in a physical way right now. We ask that in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask you this. Uh, you know, we believe in risk taking and being bold. So if if this speaks to you. If either just that word, relational issue, speaks to you, or if you just, especially if you just felt God's presence touch you, like you just felt like, you know, just like maybe a shiver go down over your body, or you just felt just a a sense of something more than you normally experience, uh, I want to ask you to stand up, okay? Just stand up. Okay. All right, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray freedom over you right now, okay? So more. More. All right, so Father, thank you that on the cross, your son Jesus paid for everything. Every wrong that we've done and every wrong that's been done against us, Jesus, you paid for it. We just acknowledge that. Thank you for that. Through the power of your cross, you set us free and your resurrection gives us brand new life. So right now, in Jesus' name, for, for any here who are struggling with bitterness, I release you from that, in Jesus' name. I release you from that bitterness. I release you from the anger. And just say yes to that. Just say yes to that. Yes, I give it up. Jesus' name. For heart wounds, wounds that are fresh, as well as those that are old, Holy Spirit, just flood in right now. Just come right into that place of pain. Just flow into the place of pain. Bring healing, restoration. Yeah, particularly disappointment. Some of us, some of you, are just struggling right now with disappointment. I didn't know life was going to be like this, I didn't know this relationship was going to go that way. I had these hopes, I had these dreams. And Holy Spirit, just come right now and just calm down that part of the heart that just wants just wants to cry out in disappointment. And I and I rebuke and reject and just we all we all just say no to self pity. Just say that with me, especially if you need that, just say no to self pity. Holy Spirit, your freedom, your freedom to walk in joy and peace in these relationships. in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome, awesome, great. That's a good way to start, isn't it? Love to hear what what God did in your hearts. Okay, so uh, if if we could all want to stay here till the Super Bowl starts tonight, we could line everybody up and have them all share. But I think we probably all want to go home before that. So um, we've been in this series of messages on the kingdom of God, starting in the middle of December. And again, if you didn't hear that first one on the kingdom, go back to December, I think it's like December 19th or so, around in that range, and, and pick it up on the podcast and listen to it. It's really foundational to the whole thing. But our intent in this series really has been to lead to the, this week and next week, where we're going to share in a fresh way the vision of the church and the mission of this church. And so later in this message, I'm gonna actually uh, put it up on the screen here and show you a statement that we believe encapsulates the heart of this church body, God's heart for this church body, and states it in a way that really flows with the way God's been working in us, okay? And so uh, that's coming, but one of the things we've talked about in these messages on uh, the kingdom has been kingdom leadership. And the reason for that is that in our culture today, we have a wrong view of what a leader is. I I think we we idolize leaders, and you have to be like a superhero to be a leader. Or you have to be a general that has led an army into a successful campaign. We, We look at those people as leaders. You certainly can't be a leader if you're an introvert. You have to be an extrovert and opinionated and bold. But the truth of the matter is, that's really, that's really a worldly view of leadership. And Jesus said to, to his apostles when they were vying for who was the greatest and who was gonna be the biggest leader among them, Jesus said, if you wanna be the greatest, you have to be the least. He said, if you really wanna lead, you have to serve. It's often referred to just as servant leadership and it's talking about a heart attitude. And Jesus said, if you want to be great, you have to take the heart of a child. You have to have a childlike heart that is, just, that is just innocently asking God for more. Innocently asking God genuine questions and just receiving his answers. And so what we want to do is stir all of us to understand that Yes, there are people in the church body that are particularly gifted and anointed for leadership, and you'll see them because you'll see them with groups of people they're leading. But all of us have the capacity to lead, just like we have people that are gifted prophetically, and and they're I mean they, they, they that's their main thing that they do. But we all are called to prophetic ministry. We all can hear God speak in the same way we all can lead and we all have leadership capacity. And if you develop that, in fact, since, since we have it, we need to develop it. We need to be intentional about it. And as you develop it, whatever other, what your main gift is, is just gonna flourish all the more. If your main gift is uh, teaching, or if your main gift is mercy, that's a gift, or if your main gift is hospitality, or if it is, or, or if you're serving with the children or on the worship team or in some of the, whatever you're doing, developing leadership capacity and skills is going to enhance that and make it more powerful. It's going to make you a more effective parent, more effective husband, more effective wife, more effective employee, neighbor, etc. on down the line. In, in fact, this is true. Every one of us are going to be called upon to lead at some point in time. You all are, okay? You're going to be called upon to lead. I don't know the capacity or how, how broad or, or, or what. It, it might just be you're the person in the car that's willing to say, okay, 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 let's just go to Red Lobster. <laughs> all right? But that's leading, and, and there, are, there are all these different ways, and so we really want that to be part of the of the culture here, and believe that that's part of us moving ahead into everything God has for us. Okay, so I wanted to uh, just kind of illustrate this with you. We have a, a a man here named Jim Freeberg, who many of you know. I'm going to invite him up in a few minutes, but um, Jim has been a believer for a number of years. Uh, he's you know he's been around uh, the the church for a lot of years. Started coming here about seven years ago and um, has just taken the humble route into the whole place. He went through Vineyard 101. He went through doing the stuff. He went through Alpha. He's He went through um, Everyone Gets to Play. And and we we love that type of heart because that's the type of heart that's just saying, okay, I'm just going to come with a childlike faith. I'm just going to just going to move in, and where can I, you know, what can I do? How can I serve? And so Jim recently went through School of Kingdom Ministry and School of Kingdom Ministry II, and coming out of that is an ongoing ministry that has started. It started by a team from SOCOM II, and uh, Jim is uh, one of the leaders, if not the primary leader of this ministry, and so let's welcome Jim Freeberg up here, okay, Jim. <laughs> Push that button. There you go. Lights off. Okay. <laughs> so, Jim, I don't think that's on. Can I have it? Yep. There you go. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Jim, tell us about drive through prayer.
1: Well, hmm. Drive through prayer started as an exercise of uh, SOCKIM 2. And uh, during that le- that's the leadership training phase actually of Socom and we were encouraged to develop ministries that we wanted to put out. and one of ours was drive through prayer. And it was so successful that uh, we decided to continue it. To date, we've had eight sessions. We meet we do it once a month. And uh, we've impacted, I was counting up about 5,000 people on Rain Avenue. We have prayed for over 200 people. We've seen salvations. We've seen rededications. We've seen healings. We've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit. It is very, very humbling. This is all done by a team of about 10 to 12 people we could use some more help
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome. so this is a ministry that, that's having a powerful impact on our community and, um, and, and it's totally I, I hate to say lay driven because I don't like the distinction between lay and mm-hmm. staff but the staff's not involved in this no. it wasn't the staff's idea staff didn't drive it staff didn't fund it we didn't this is the first time you're hearing about it as a church from the front other than a couple of reports and so uh, you know what Jim what Jim and his team are doing and Jim Jim is the guy that's the point leader of this although there are other people leading with him what Jim's doing is something that's going to happen more and more in this church body in fact, it has to happen for us to do what God wants us to do and for us to fulfill the vision that I'm going to share with you in a few moments. But Jim, thank you so much, man. We love you thank and you. just bless you. Bless you. Okay. Thanks, Jim. All right. So um, before, before we look at the actual vision uh, statement that we're moving into, I just wanted to give you some of the history of the church and some of the key moments that have led us to where we are, because uh, this is an important part of how we articulate the vision God's given us. And, and I just want to start at the very beginning and, and say it was in 2001 that Lori and I felt called by God to start this church. And uh, we both had the, the same vision for it, that it would be a church body that would be just infilled in, in with the power of God, that we would be a church body that would worship and pursue the presence of God, that we would pray for the sick and see the sick healed, and that we would be a church that would live outside the walls of the church. And so we started this not having any idea what it was going to turn into or become, But I remember uh, going to the um, Northgate Mall and sitting in the food court one day, just to get into a different context so we could have this meeting, and talking through what are all the things we need to do to start a church. And one of the things we did that day was to ask, what are all of the areas that need to be represented with people serving in them in order to start a church well? Well. And so children's ministry, you have to have people for children's ministry. You have to have a worship team. You have to have financial people. You have to have small group leaders and and, and a a few others. And we came up with a list of 37 roles that we needed to fill. Now, we had one person who had said she wanted to be part of this church. That was Pam Helsher. I don't know if Pam's in here right now or not. But uh, some of you know Pam. Uh, and I'm going to mention some names today that I would expect probably 80% of you don't know. But I'm going to say their names just to honor them, okay? I'm not saying them because I think everyone knows them, but I just want to honor them. And, and, and so, well, Pam. We had Pam, so we only need 36 rolls filled. <laughs> but I remember sitting there looking at that thinking, this is not going to happen. How, this is impossible. Where are we ever going to find 36 people to do this with? And so, uh you know, I mean, you just keep plugging along. we trusted God, you take step by step by step. you can see where we are now, but God brought people and and god God spoke to people and and brought them to become a part of this and we we The, the church grew and began to develop, and as it did, we had more and more people. We realized we really have to have some foundation. And so uh, we didn't really create a grand vision statement, like we're going to be a church of 25,000 people that does this or whatever. We, we really felt we needed to start this church based upon just some basic core values. And so we established three core values that would still, still work for us today as core values. We might add a couple to this in the near future. But the first core value was that we would be mercy-driven, we had had enough of church life where there was judgment. we had had enough of preaching that made you go away feeling totally inadequate and defeated because once again, you heard about what a big failure you were. we had had enough of that. And so mercy driven, we, really that was to describe how we would relate to each other and how we would relate to the, to the word of God. Hold the word out. It's true. This is it. This is, this is the goal. This is where Jesus wants us to move. But the word Jesus gave us on this was what he's asking you to do is take the next step that direction. Just take your next step. And so mercy-driven uh, has been something that has, has permeated this church's life. Second uh, core value that we had was that we would be outwardly focused. We didn't want to have a church that all we're worried about is what makes us happy. Okay, and listen to me. This has been a this has been a dividing not a dividing point in a division like, but this has been a key moment, key thought in in much of our decision making. There are times that we'll be making a decision. We'll say, well, wait a second. How's that fit with our outwardly focused value? Oh, okay. We got to fit that into this. That nuances the thought. And we've, we've always said we, we are just as concerned for the people who are going to come as we are for the people who are already here. And that's not just leaders, okay? That's not just like I am as the pastor. That's, that's the value we hold as a church body, that we're concerned for all of us. We're concerned for how we relate and what we do, but we are equally concerned for the fact that we are here for them, the ones that haven't come yet. And I think this is illustrated by a story I love to tell and, and it was member number one, Pam Helsher, who is the center of this uh, oh pam 's back there okay just get, let me tell this story, Pam, just a second, okay. Um, pam was uh, working with the youth and and part of the team that worked with the with the with the uh, teens. And we had just moved into this building, and I probably won't get this perfect, Pam, so give me a little bit of grace here. But um, we just moved into this building, and um, well, Pam, come on up here right now, okay? I was gonna ask you to come up anyway. So I'm gonna tell the story, all right? All right, so Pam was locking some doors, and someone was with her, and they said to her, why are you locking these doors? And Pam said, well, we have our, our teen ministry tonight, and that person asked you, don't you trust our teens? And what did you tell her? I said... Oh, sorry, here, Mike. Well, that's okay, I can get No, that. no, we need to get you on the mic. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, here, get that mic, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I just said that, yeah, we trust our teens, but we hope there are going to be kids coming that don't know Jesus and that are not trustworthy, and therefore, you know, we're preparing for those, and we want those kids to come, so we need to be prepared. Yeah, I've always loved that. The stay Pam, please. The idea, <laughs> the idea that, all right, we trust these ones, but we're hoping there are some that are going to become real soon that we can't trust. That's what being outwardly focused is. Would you all just stand and cheer for Pam? Come on. We love you. She has served faithfully here uh, ever since the beginning of the church, continues to, and uh, just unbelievable. So, outwardly focused, and then Holy Spirit empowered, which was just the heart we had. We, want, we wanted Holy Spirit's power. You can't, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit's power. But um, the church grew, and uh, in our fourth year, we were meeting in the YMCA, and we entered a building phase. And so, um, we bought this property that year, and then built this building that year. And that was an exciting season, an exciting time for us. But we moved into it in May of 2006, our fifth year, and moved into it with about 350 to 400 people in May, all right? By September, we had one service in September where there were like 950 people here. But we settled in at around 750 to 800. And so within just a few months, we went, we just doubled in size within a few months. And that's awesome, isn't it? But I, let me tell you, it's also crazy. It's like you just, your head's spinning. You just don't know, you there's just, you can't keep up. You can't stay focused because there's just issue after issue after issue after issue you have to deal with. And I think what happened was we started to drift somewhat from that Holy Spirit focus. Now, we never abandoned it. We still had great worship. We still gave words of knowledge at the end of the service that the Holy Spirit was speaking and prayed for the sick. We saw people healed. During that season, Alpha was a real bright spot because Alpha is a real Holy Spirit uh, empowering ministry. But I think we drifted from just the passion of saying, look, this is what we're going for. Okay, we have this much. We want more. God, we want more of you. We want more prophetic words. We want more ministry and the power of the Spirit. We want more. And that's where we were in probably 2009 or so. But that was about to change. 2010, the movie Furious Love came out. How many of you have seen Furious Love? All right, if you haven't, that's your assignment this week. If you're not a football fan, watch Furious Love tonight? Okay, it's a great, it, it challenged us. It really challenged our hearts to say that's what we want. That's what we started this for. That's what we signed up for. We've got to, we've got to get refocused and, and start going for that again. Then in 2011, we had Robbie Dawkins come. And uh, Ro- Robbie has had a profound influence on us here as a church. He's been here a number of times. Um, hopefully, you'll get to meet him in the future if you haven't heard him speak. But uh, Robbie told us this. He said, you need to keep track of what you're doing because other churches are going to want to know how you moved from where you are to where you're going to be. And so he was really prophesying to us, but he was also giving us a, a, a good-hearted instruction. But um, so much was happening, uh, and God's, God's just beginning to rise, raise up this passion and desire. Somewhere around 2012, we... Um, I was on my way back from uh, a ministry, I think it was in Guatemala, and I was flying, and, and I, these four things came to me very quickly. Uh, sometimes it's almost like the Holy Spirit just gives a download, it's just boom, 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 boom. And um, there's only one of them that I want to share with you today, but the first one was this, I wrote it down, and, it's, and, and it was this, that we needed to be a church body that worships like crazy, those are the words I got, and that might have been partly me, but it was the message was from God, I believe. A church body that worships like crazy, that we worship like our lives depend on it. That we worship with passion, with expression, and with abandon. And that we are a church that just gives ourselves to the worship of God. And you know what I, I did in response to that? I, I said yes. I said yes, Lord. We want it. That's what I want. That's what we want as a church body. That's where we're headed. And I admit, if you were here then and here now, you would see this dramatic difference in the way the worship happens here. But I think sometimes my main job is just to hear what God wants to do and say yes to it. You know, I do. I think that if, if, if I catch this, this, this breeze of thought, okay, here's where God's leading us, and I say, all right, God, we're for it. I want to bring it. And you might say, well, that sounds like a pretty easy job. But um, most of the time, that yes comes also with the statement, whatever the cost. Lord, we want that, whatever the cost. God, we want to go for that, whatever the cost. And, and there's almost always a cost. I remember uh, just a few years ago, we were considering making a couple of staff hires, and and, and really our, our church was busting with new young adults here, and we wanted to hire a couple of young adults, pastors and the staff that we, we have on staff now. But there was pressure over that decision because uh, we didn't have the money to do it. The budget didn't allow for it, and uh, we had also a year and a half after that decision. We had to refinance this building, and so, well, we're going to put ourselves in a position where we can't refinance the building, or do we want to do that? You know, what if we lose the building, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, there's all this. There's this angst over this, and I was sitting in my office. And praying about it and thinking about it, and I was looking out the window, and, and actually, literally, my eyes fell to the window frame. And I looked around the window frame, and I looked at the wall, and I thought, what if we lose it? Is that the worst thing in the world? Does that mean the kingdom of God's going to grind to a halt? And God's work will cease in the, on the earth. And, of course, the answer was no, that's not going to happen. you just got to lay it out there. you just got to give it up. And so I, I, I had to, at that moment, say, okay, God, we're going to say yes, whatever the cost. And I'd much rather look back at the end of my life and say, yeah, I took that risk and it didn't work out, than to look back at the end of my life and say, yeah, I was afraid to take that risk. I lived in mediocrity for the rest of my life, but you know, I played it safe there. And so there, there are all of these yeses we say to God, but there's always a cost involved in it. About 2012, one of our uh, longtime members here and prophetic people, Dan Hack, uh, I don't know if Dan's here today or not, but uh, Dan had this word. Uh, he said, God's doing a new thing, but not really new. He's just bringing us back to our roots. Isn't that good? Bringing us back to our roots. I knew what that meant right away. Because we We're going to press into more healing, more Holy Spirit life, more worship. And everyone that heard that said, Yes, Lord, bring it. Bring it, Lord, we want it. About that time, uh, Kendra Barrow and Lou Trischler both gave words to the church from the front um, that we were going to enter into more prophetic ministry. And we were gonna see God begin to open up the prophetic side of things, which we longed for. And it was part of our vision from the very beginning. And so we said, once again, what would we say to that, everybody, we said, yes, Lord, we said yes. And so 2013, I made a trip to Africa with Robbie Dawkins, and that, that changed my life. It was a radical, um, just power, it changed my view of the kingdom. My view of what it means when we say we're, we're ministering in the power of the Spirit, and just had a profound impact on I me, mean, so much so that when I came back, I, I just came back fired up. We just started praying for people in the middle of the services, right up on stage here. Some of them got healed, some didn't. That was okay. But um, while I was there, and this is interesting, that um, while I was there... We'd been there for a little over a week, and it was a Sunday morning. i had wakened up that morning, and I I just felt kind of like down in the dumps. And I thought, I want to go home. I thought that to myself. And so later, I'm sitting, drinking a cup of coffee, thinking, God, I'm done. I don't want to go to another town. I don't want to see any more people. I don't want to pray for anybody else. I just want to go home. And God spoke to me and said, you need this next week, you're not here for them. You're here for you. You need this next week, and so when when that kind of thing comes that clearly, what else can you do other than say, "Okay, all right, God, yes, yes, Lord, that's good." If that's the case that I'm in, now here's what was happening back here in the states that very night. You know, I'm up at uh, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, which is one, two, three, one or two o'clock back here in the morning. That night, Wilson had a dream, and in the dream, he and his mother were at a Reds game, and they're they're at the Reds game. And then I come down the aisle towards them with my suitcase that you know that they knew I had taken to Africa. And in the dream, Wilson said, "Well, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Africa." And I said, "I got tired of it, and I just wanted to come home." Is that crazy? Very same night. So that next morning, they get up and they talk about that. And so they pray for me. And, and I'm strengthened over there, thousands of miles away, because God's speaking to them back here. <clears throat> That's pretty cool. House Group started in 2013, and uh, just busting at the seams, and affiliated with our church later that year, and um, and has been... Really, I, probably just the tip of the spear when it comes to passionate worship and, and uh, hunger for more of God and boldness in going out and power evangelism, and so thankful for that ministry. But uh, it was the next year, 2014, that we started School of Kingdom Ministry that uh, Jim went through that year, and Sockham has has had a profound impact upon us. Uh, not, not only just more and more of us being immersed in a culture of the Holy Spirit, but as well teaching us as a church body about our identity in Christ and what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be righteous, what it means to have authority and power, what it means to have Jesus in us, to have God in us and for us to be new creations. And so that's having an amazing impact on the church body. We're going to begin a new series here at the end of this month on our identity as it applies to practical areas of our lives. Last year, we did a series on identity itself. So, God's been moving us, and He's been deepening us, and He's been doing more and more. We've had various other great speakers that have come in and challenged us and deposited things here. But I want to ask this question What is a vision? What is vision? What, what are vision and mission? What are they? And when you think of that, it's real simple. Let me tell you, okay? Well, I, I heard one very well-known pastor of a huge church talking about this once, and he said, well, here's our vision, and then he said, no, wait a second, I think that's our mission. No, this is the vision, that, and, and as I get confused, I can't, I can't keep them apart, but just to give you a, a concept of it, okay, a vision is a picture of the future, that excites your heart, stirs your heart, and moves you to sacrifice. Okay, a vision is a picture of the future that stirs your heart and moves you to sacrifice because it's so valuable and so important. Now to illustrate that, in World War I, uh, the United States went into World War I, the war was already in, in full, full had uh, been going on for a couple of years, and Woodrow Wilson, our president, went before Congress and asked for a declaration of war. He did not say, we need to go into this war to save Europe. He didn't say that. He said this, this and this was a vision statement. He said, we have to fight this war to make the world safe for democracy. You see, that's a vision statement. What's it going to look like down the road? And what can we do? What we can do now to get there is the mission. So the vision is, what's it going to look like? The, the, the mission is, we got to go to Europe and defeat the Central Powers, which was Germany, Austria-Hungary, Turkey, and Bulgaria. Now, World War II, which was really a carry a, a second phase of World War I, it really had the same mission. But Winston Churchill stated it in such a profound way on so many different occasions that I want to read to you part of something Winston Churchill uh, gave a, in a speech about the reason that they were fighting World War II and and what was going to happen. And um, Churchill, you can you can listen to this on YouTube. It's very scratchy, hard to hear. That's why we're not playing it for you. But uh, he he reads this in almost that British monotone. Uh, but it is powerful. It's just incredible. He said this. He said what. What, what General Weigand, who was a French general, has called the Battle of France is over. Germany had defeated France. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. The whole fury and might of the enemy will very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or else lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be freed and the life of the world may move into broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties. And so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth lasts for a thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour. What a powerful statement! And uh, it, it rocked his country. It gave them strength. But his vision wasn't "we got to beat we got to beat Hitler" because he's a bad guy and he's going to come and hurt. Him. No, his vision. Uh, I mean, he, he painted the picture of what was at stake. But the vision was this, that the life of the world may move into broad, sunlit uplands. Now, I don't even know what that means, but I know it's appealing. You know, an upland, it's the kind of land you like and the sun's shining. He's talking about life, and he's talking about something beautiful. And, and so he's putting this vision out there. Now, the mission was they had to defeat Hitler, that was the mission. And so he was able to give this speech. That was just one minute long, what I read out of a 30 minute speech. But but it had such impact because everyone there knew what was at stake. They they all knew the context. They all knew what was about to happen. And and that just makes everything so powerful. And so what I want to do right now is to to ask this question what is at stake for us? What's at stake? And and remind us what is at stake. All right, first I want to say this, that the very same enemy Churchill faced is the enemy we face. Same one. There he raised up through Nazism and fascism and all-out war. Here he raises his head up in other ways. Through broken marriages. Through child abuse. Through sexual exploitation. Through... Addiction and heroin addiction is rampant. He, he shows his head through greed and poverty and racism and bitterness and anger. And we look around and we see this everywhere we look because people don't know who God is. People believe the wrong things about God. And if you believe lies about God, then you're not gonna come to him you're not going to call out. You're not going to ask him to give you a new life. If you believe he is angry with you. If you believe that you have to work really, really hard to win his favor. You're not going to come to him. And so people out there are blind to the reality of the kingdom of who God is. Because of these, these lies that they believe about God. They, they don't have any concept of what it is to have a real father in heaven. And and so they live alone and estranged relationally from others and from God and not having anyone to rely on but themselves because they don't know who God is. They they live with a lack of understanding of what it means to be forgiven, what it means to have a clear conscience. And so they live with this sense that they have to prove themselves to God. They have to do something to make God happy with them. And if they can just do that, but the truth is deep in their hearts, they know they can't. And so they, leave, they either live under a cloud of religion or, or they live with the frustration of, of just never knowing God. And people be, people who who are smothered by religion and who live in fear and anger then turn that anger on each other. And so they, they don't have any concept of the goodness of God. They actually think that anytime something bad happens, it's God doing it to them. And he's either doing it because they did something wrong or for some mysterious reason, he wants to, to do this to them to teach them some lesson. And so the whole view of who God is is just so torn and skewed. and 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 we are here to do what Jesus did. And that is to show them something different. You know, Jesus came and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God's like, look at me. Look at me. He says... If you're wondering whether God's good or not, look at me. If you're wondering whether or not God gave you that cancer, look at me. Did Jesus ever give anyone cancer? Did Jesus ever say to anybody, you know what? I think that you haven't learned your lesson yet, so I'm not going to heal you. You know, it says he healed thousands, all of them that came to him. Don't tell me there weren't people in that crowd that hadn't learned their lesson yet. So. So Jesus is the one that gives us the picture of who God is and what his goodness is like. And Jesus actually said in one point, he said, you are going to see angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, uh, last April, I gave a full message on this. Go back and pick it up. It's called Jesus is the door. But what he was referring to was the Old Testament where a man named Jacob had a dream. And in this dream... Jacob sees a, a stairway to heaven. Yeah, yeah, that's where Led Zeppelin got it. <laughs> and he sees angels ascending and descending on this stairway. Now, I had always thought that's weird. Why would angels walk down those steps just to walk back up and walk down to walk back up? But when I studied this last spring, it just came to me. No, no, no. It's angels leaving heaven, going on assignment. And angel's returning from assignment, coming back. And what he saw was the portal to heaven. What he saw was the interface between earth and heaven. And Jesus said, okay, Jacob found that spot in the Old Testament. They named it Bethel, house of God. But today, Jesus said, I am that interface. Jesus said, I am the one that is the portal between heaven and earth. And and then... When Jesus leaves it goes back to the Father, <clears throat> he gives that to us. He says, "You are now you 're the temple of God, uh, the temple of God that 's just another way of saying a portal between heaven and earth. We are a kingdom of priests. Priests are people that stand before before the people and God and, and bring one to the other. and so you and I, as part of the church body, we fulfill this mission that Jesus had to bring the 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 life of heaven to earth that's what we're here for that's what jesus told us to pray for in matthew 6 10 he said your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that means if it's not happening in heaven it shouldn't be happening here and that means if it is happening in heaven it should be happening here so is there depression in heaven is no there's not is there joy in heaven Yeah, so there ought to be joy here. All right, is there strife and disunity in heaven? Is there peace in heaven and love? Yes, it ought to be here, shouldn't it? So we look at this and we say that what Jesus talked about, the, the child abuse that's happening here, not happening in heaven. Bitterness and greed, not happening in heaven. Sexual exploitation, not happening in heaven. Poverty, sickness, fear, on and on, demonic strongholds not happening in heaven. When heaven comes, those things are break, broken, and the life of heaven breaks in. So what does the life of heaven look like? Well, I, you know, I wish I, I knew better what the life of heaven looks like, but for starters, let's say this. When, when the kingdom comes, there are gonna be businesses all up and down along Colerade Avenue pounding on our door, saying, would you put a drive-through prayer station in front of our business? I want, you, I want you to be here doing that. Okay, when the kingdom comes, uh, businesses are going to flourish, and they're going to be generous. Churches are going to have more money than they know what to do with, and they're going to go to schools, and they're going to say, hey, you know that new computer lab your school needs? Look, as a church body, we're going to give you $50,000. Here it is to build that new lab. I mean, what would that do to a community if, that, if that's happening like that? When heaven comes, instead of children being abused, they're 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 going to be happy. They're going to smile. They're going to be innocent, and and they're gonna they're gonna reflect the love of Jesus. When the kingdom comes, that's what happens. When the kingdom comes, there's not going to be sickness. Um, there's there's not going to be the pain and the grief that we see everywhere. When the kingdom comes then marriages that are in trouble are going to say, oh, you got to go, You got to go to that church in Coleraine. And, th- and that's going to lap over into other churches. So they're going to be saying, well, you got to go to that church in Fairfield. And we don't ever care if they know that it started here or not. They're going to say, you got to go to that church in Finneytown or in Harrison. And we don't really care th- that anybody knows that it started here or not. But when the kingdom comes, uh, there are going to be people like, well, Dave King, our executive pastor, where's Dave. Dave is back here. Dave is uh, starting a new business that's called Heartway Collective. Yeah. And so Dave's new business um, uh, is, is going, into, it, it, he's going into businesses and teaching them how to communicate, teaching about communication skills and, and how to have right relationships. That's the kind of thing that happens when the kingdom comes. You know, there are people from all over the world that come here to take their children to Children's Hospital. Uh, Wilson, when, when he was going to UC, he was friends with a number of uh, Muslim students there. And, and so there, there, are, there are Muslims from around the world. There are people from India, Middle East, and other places. What if they came here to bring their children to Children's Hospital and someone there says, Well, yeah, here's what we'll do for your child. You need to take them up to Coleraine to get prayer. You, you need, they, they need to experience the power and the presence and the healing of God. That's what happens when the kingdom comes. That's what we're here for, okay? So let's, let's look at this actual, the statement that we're going to press into is real simple. It's just real simple. But it's this. It's to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. Okay? We, we, we want to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. And because Jesus left us this inheritance of his life in us, we are the interface between heaven and earth. You are the interface between heaven and earth. And just like Jesus carried heaven in him, you carry heaven in you. You carry the kingdom in you. You carry the presence and power of life of God in you. And everywhere we go, we can release that presence and that life. And that's our call. That's what we're here for as a church. That's why we gather and worship like we do. That's why we pray for people at the end of the service. That's why we. Go, that's why we have hots at the mall now, and that's why we have healing on the st- We have uh, drive-through prayer. That's why we send people out to pray, and we and we give food away. The poor are fed when the kingdom comes. So, um, yeah. And and I believe we're unique. I believe we are in a unique position because of everything God's done, the the presence of God, the prophetic that is just rising up here, our understanding of identity in Christ, power to heal and to free people from demonic strongholds. And you take all of that and the boldness that comes with it, but you take all of that and you add this one quality and it makes us totally unique and that is mercy driven. We have a culture of mercy. You see, the culture of mercy throws the doors just open wide. We've got the power and the life and the presence and the mature people here to mentor other people and to work with them and to lead them to Jesus. But if you don't have that mercy, and so just the mercy just opens the doors wide and says, Come on in, come on in. You know, as the guy says in that movie, Come on in, the water's fine. Come on in. And so that's what God's called us to. That's what we're pressing into. That's what we're going for. And I want to invite you to go along with it, to go on this ride. You are part of it. You are as important to it as anyone else in this room. And we're going to talk more about that next week when we look at the mission. And in a couple weeks, we're actually going to talk about the budget and what we need to do to press ahead with all of that kind of stuff, too. So um, we're going to do this, though. Would you stand with me? Just stand up. All right, say this with me. We are a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. We are a culture that helps heaven to earth. Again, a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. All right, now, say your community. And then we're going to say this, state this vision again. I'm going, to, I'm going to go one, two, three, and if you're from Finneytown or Harrison or wherever, you shout your name of your community out. And then we're going to go right into this again. Okay, so ready? One, two, three. Colrain to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. All right, that's what we're going for. Okay, so Amanda, come on up and lead us into the next phase of our service here. here and worship. You need to. All right. Okay, so uh, I want to remind you of the luncheon today. If you've not come to one of our guest luncheons, you're welcome to come, even if you didn't register. We, if you're new here, if, even if this is your first week, uh, come. It's going to be out the back door to my left, and then down the hallway, you'll see uh, where it is. We've got a lot of soup there. And we'd love to share it with you. Okay, so... Um, To the vision, we say what? We say yes. Yeah, bring it, Lord. All right. To uh, people that want prayer, prayer teams will be down here. So we, especially prayer for relationships, come on down, okay? Physical healing, God's going to heal people today, so come on down. And um, someone shared this with me. Leadership starts with a burning desire to help people, not with an agenda or plan. Okay, so yeah, let's let that be one of our bylines. Plan follows passion. All right. Now, um, Micah gave me this word. I saw an angel of breakthrough above the worship. They're here to open up prison doors and release freedom. You're moving up into your destiny. Healing, heal, heart healing, heart healing. Okay. And another, another word, that there, was, there were angels here pouring out revelation and peace, and that peace is going to be part of what we are, at least to intimacy and to more prophetic ministry. So uh, we want our, worship, our prayer teams to make their way down here, please. So, and um, then I'm going to pray over the, over the body, and then we'll, we'll take off, okay, for the day. You know, I hope that you leave here with just a fresh sense of God's presence. That's what we want. A fresh, uh, just a fresh yes to God in your life. But um, so the luncheon, don't forget the luncheon, okay? And the prayer team's up here. You can start making your way up right now. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill us up as we go out. Fill us up as we go out so that we'll just spill your love and your presence all over everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, cool. We'll do this next week again, okay? See you then.